I'm Ben Strivens. He's John O'Scott. Hi. And together, we, we watch anything. We trawl the depths of Netflix to find three films of the same genre, of the same genre, and watch them so you don't have to. I take one, he takes one, and there's one we both watch. So you'll know what's a surprise hit and what's totally... Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to We Watch Anything. And I promise you, we do watch anything. From the giddy heights to the lowest lows of Netflix, we will go there for you. Jono, my fellow traveller in Netflix up and downness, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm fine, dude. It's very nice to see you. Very nice to be back. And um, as always, I'm excited. I don't sound excited, do I? That didn't. You that do didn't sound, sound quite excited. excited. I, I am excited. excited. Your face I? looks excited. I think it's about. I'm recording in a different place. I'm. I'm. I think I'm excited because I'm very close to the Reading '99. No, Reading '1991 long sleeve T-shirt that I still have hanging just over there <laughs> with all the bands that I saw at the Reading Festival of 1991. <laughs> Isn't it that, good to know that, that it's very is close? Exceptionally good. Though. Why aren't you wearing it? <laughs> Well, you know, just a bit hot, you know. So, oh, you fair know, I'm, I'm fair. I'm I'm nude. Um, no, That's... yes, I'm very excited to be here, and um, I'm excited about this subject. What the nude bit? Are you worrying about the nude bit? Yes. Well, I can see you, and I, I just, I just wonder if you're wearing just a collar from a shirt, because that's what I can see. If you're nude beyond that, and you're wearing some sort of horrific stripper outfit, <laughs> just collars and cuffs, maybe a little mankini. No, I'd like to, but no, no. I, I actually am, jokes aside, incredibly hot. I am thinking about stripping off, but I'm in a, quite a hot attic room. Anyway, that's enough about my environs. Let's talk about <laughs> the films. Because <laughs> um, who, who chose this one? You. Oh, yeah. Westerns. We're doing Westerns this time, people. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't just choose, <laughs> you know, some... Westerns that you never... Oh, no, we did. Um, I, pretty much, I have not seen many Westerns. So for me, this was a kind of a journey of discovery. I haven't even seen most of the classics. I don't know why. I, it's, it's a genre that's never really appealed to me that much. And I guess I loved Young Guns, and especially, specifically Young Guns 2, because it came out when I was all metal and stuff. But um, <laughs> but I, I, I wasn't even that impressed with Unforgiven when it first came out. I was just like, yeah, I saw that. It was on. No, I... I, I... Yeah, I didn't like Unforgiven the first time I saw it, then loved it the second time, then had a gap of about 10 years and didn't like it so much the third oh, time. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the fourth time when I'll probably like it again. See, I, I remember watching Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I enjoyed... Recently, I enjoyed the um, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the Coward, Robert Ford, which I thought... Oh, really yes, good. yes. I got I forgot about that. Awesome. Yes, I really like that. Yeah, yes. totally agree. Um, well, I, re- I mean, I know you haven't seen it, but I really like Wild Bunch. Um, you've seen Butch Cassidy, haven't you? Yeah, I have. And I, it's always something I don't class as a Western. I mean, it is obviously a Western. I know. But it's much more of a buddy moving in a love story. Yeah, that's generally what people say. It doesn't feel quite so Western as some Westerns, but it is still a bloody Western. I, I mean, it's about Butch Cassidy and the bloody Sundance Kid, oh, so it's I definitely know, a Western. Oh, I know, but, you know, how many... But I know what you're saying. You yeah, wouldn't yeah, see yeah. a John Wayne film where they um, sang Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head on a Bicycle, would you? <laughs> no. No, and it is basically perfect. Um, yeah, and it's well, actually a classic example of one of those films that, even though I know exactly what happens at the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, every time I watch it in the final sort of twenty minutes, I'm really willing it not to end the same way yeah. that it always does. Do you know what I mean? Like really good films exactly have that effect on you, I think. In a really weird way as well, I I way prefer Paul Newman to Robert Redford in the world of world, right? Mm. But I just 
love Robert Redford in that movie way more than Paul Newman. The Sundance Kid is way more interesting. I don't know. I, I, I really love both of them for different reasons. But I do particularly like the bit when the Sundance Kid shoots the matchsticks up the um, the matchbox up the up the street. I think that's yeah. really good when they're trying to go straight. When I watched that and first saw it growing up, it was still when Star Wars, you know, was still stuff. And, and the Sundance Kid is way more Han Solo. True. 100% true. Yeah. 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 Paul, Paul Newman's not really Luke Skywalker, though, is he? Well, no. And some may say, thank God for no. that. He's a bit harder. Yeah, no, no, I'm just trying to think who he would be. Lando. Yeah, no. Well, anyway, I, I, my dad was was into westerns, so mm. my dad brought me up on westerns to an extent. So I have seen a few of the classics like High Noon and Shane and things like that, and um, and a slightly older classic, Destry Rides, again was one of my favourites when I was really small. It's got a fantastic bit of um cool gunplay in it. It's great. Yeah, I was never much of a John Wayne fan. But I really recommend The Shootist, which was one of his late films when he was actually diagnosed with cancer and he plays an ageing Western, you know, gun for hire who yeah. is dying from cancer. Oh, OK. And it's for the, there's something about that film that's really good. So it's quite poignant then. Yeah, yeah. And I quite like the spaghetti Westerns, although I don't know, I, I don't like all of them. <laughs> I just yeah. like bits and bobs of them. I guess they never yeah. really resonated with me that much, maybe, is what it is. Because uh, growing up in... What, because you're not a hired gun or whatever? Well, no, I am a hired gun, but I'm, you know, I live in a very urban environment. Sort of uh, yeah. the the outskirts of Greater London. Not many dust bowls, not mm. a lot of um, tumbleweed or men in ponchos. And the history that I grew up with was a lot more people in armour hitting each other as opposed to, mm. um, you know heroes on horseback kind of thing well i guess they were on horseback too but well i think it probably did speak to me because i grew up in the sort of frontier town of marsh green in kent yeah. um you know so that's probably <laughs> which why. was very much one of those like stops on one of the great wagon train routes right <laughs> yeah very much so um i can't remember what else i was gonna say oh yeah just i think just one more thing about the classic westerns mm. okay so shane is one of the all-time classics with alan ladd as shane and uh, yeah. what's his name is the bad guy and he's a great bad guy but I, I i i do quite like shane but i do think the little kid in shane is one of the most irritating little kids in all of film <laughs> you history. really he's hate this... little kids in films <laughs> no, there's this terrible bit when when he's watching a fight or something, and he goes, "Oh, Shane, I, when you got hit with that chair, I thought you was a goner or something." And then Alan Ladd says this really bad joke, where he says, "No, son, it was an easy chair or something." And it's just, ugh, it's just terrible, <laughs> terrible, and I hate it. Well, happily avoid but it. Apart from that, I like it. Um, do you want me to start talking about my film this week? Well, that might be a good idea. This episode, um, Jono, what was your film this week? Well, this episode. Well, I'm. I'm very glad you asked. Um, my film, quite a nice old film, Five Card Stud from 1968. Nice. Oh, right. John, nice. back in the past. Um, <laughs> the place where he's comfortable. Yes. I'm much happier back in, the, in 1968. Yeah, it's um, it's a Dean, Dean Martin is the lead, but it's also got Robert Mitchum. So, boom, boom. What you a gave cast. yourself a and, Dean Martin um, movie? <laughs> no, I know. Excuse me. And it's me. also, dude, dude. No, 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 no. The better, better headline news. Sorry, and Robert Mitchell. No, no, no. I've got a bigger and, dude. And Yafet Koto. Oh, you too. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I was really excited. I mean, I was already thinking this looks good. This looks good. It's called Five Card Stud, for God's sake. That's a good title. But I thought yeah, um, the moment I saw Yafet Koto, I thought I'm having yes. this. So let me go with the plot synopsis. Um, so... As you, it's called Five Card Stud, which is obviously a type of poker, and it starts, as you might guess, with a poker game. 
And um, right. Dean Martin plays a professional poker player, a gambler, who um, you know follows the action in that sense. How but it starts. Time. He's in a bar. Yeah, <laughs> it starts. It's in a bar, pub, whatever you call them. And um, the, the man behind the bar is Yafet Koto. Could we, should we go saloon? Let's go saloon. Yeah, good point. And um, there, there's about five dudes. There's six dudes. I can't remember how many having a game of poker. And Dean Martin decides to sit out a hand. I can't remember why. Maybe he goes for a cigarette or something. I don't know. But he goes outside. Mm. And then while he's outside, the one outsider, you, you get the imp- from the script, you realise that they know each other, but one of them sure. is an outsider. Right. And he gets caught cheating. He gets caught with an ace hidden in a hand. You know? Oh, yeah. And um, so they, they just say, right, let's lynch him. Let's hang him. And so they take Gosh. him outside. And Dean Martin, yeah, exactly. Dean Martin says, uh, "Don't lynch him, you idiot." All he did was cheat, but and he tries to stop them, but he gets knocked out. And they do they they hang this dude from a from a from over a bridge, I think it is. Right. So, yeah. So so that's the opening salvo of the film. And um, so next day, um, Dean Martin wakes up and he goes to visit a ranch, and you don't and and you see says hello to an old timer there then he has a sort of flirtation with the, the daughter of the bloke the uh, the ranch owner and then mm-hmm. you see the son and it's a bloke from last night the the ringleader in the lynching okay and basically you get the you realize there was already a history there they didn't like each other mm-hmm. and then dean martin punches him in the face and right. um, this brother, this son, rather, who he punches in the face is played by Roddy McDowell. Do you know Roddy McDowell? I do know Roddy McDowell, yeah. Brit actor. It's fantastic. He's great. And he, he's Cornelius in Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Anyway, Dean Martin. Um, oh, yeah. So at about this time, a new preacher turns up in town. Okay. And that's played by Robert Mitchum. Right. Then oh, as a, he's good quite at soon after. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was going to say this later, but it is definitely an echo of his preacher in um in night of the hunter it's really quite awesome. similar quite deranged oh, quite intimidating hooray. it's not as good as night of the hunter but it you know it yeah he's playing that kind of role and it's yeah they obviously said to him do the night of the hunter role again please and so yeah. like i say it's not quite such an obvious <laughs> psycho but it's up there anyway so but the, the the plot thickens when a body is found okay okay just um one of the the yeah, basically, this this guy who owns, I think, a saloon, who is found sort of drowned in a barrel of flour, sort of suffocated in a barrel of flour. Then quite soon after that, a second body is found, throttled with, like, barbed wire around his neck. And these were both men who were in that poker game. So, right. Okay, so I don't know whether you can sense the excitement in my voice, but when I realised what was happening... I, I can. Go, oh, my God. This is a Western that's also a whodunit. It was so. I was that, like, "This is so cool." So <laughs> that is such a score. I know, I know. I was really is it, pleased. So is it so quite moody and nighty, or is it quite day? No, it's quite day. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's quite. Yeah, it's quite day. Um, so I think I'm going to leave. So that's the setup for the whole film. Yeah, I'm loving the idea. You know, there's loving a lynch, the there's a there's a lynching, and then people start getting killed, and um. I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to come to back to bit by plot, but I'm going to start my review because, basically, I loved this film. Oh, it hooray. was awesome. <laughs> it's not going to be five star review time, but it's just it's really good. 
and it's and it's good just because, like I say, it's this. Cla- it's I, I I can't remember a western that ever ever seeing a western before that has a who done it element. No, I but love you don't that know idea. who's the bad guy. Now, obviously, the creepy son who started who started the lynching. You kind of think, oh, maybe it's him, and then obviously Robert Mitchum has turned up in time, so you think maybe it's him, and there are a couple of others that you think, oh, maybe it's him, and I'm not going to reveal who it no, is. No, but don't the point tell is, me. There are a number this. of intimidating figures, and it's a bit like, it's a bit like that plot from A Simple Plan, where all the people that were at the poker table start distrusting each other. Now, through hmm. this, there's also like Dean Martin, in fact, sort of leaves town and then comes back because Yafet Koto basically says, "Come back, dude, because someone's trying to kill you." And Dean Martin goes. Oh well, I'm not going to wait to be killed. I'm going to go back and face the music. So he comes back, and um, meanwhile, the sort of the love interest character. He's already had a flirtation with one of the the the, the female characters, but basically, there's a yeah. a new female character has turned up to do a. Um, she's running a saloon where you can um, you can get haircuts or or other things from lovely ladies. Um, it sounds like yeah. a uh, and he starts a very, having a very versatile establishment. Yeah, miscellaneous services. I think I think you'd call them. Um, and so th- I think I think the thing was that uh, I'm trying to think. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So the creepy preacher, Robert yeah. Mitchum. There's an oh, <laughs> there's another fantastic bit when a corpse turns up hanging from a bell pull as well. I mean, it's just yeah. And uh, oh yeah, by so that by that point, this by the third great. corpse that's turned up, is about forty minutes in. But okay. the, the the reason I'm not going to go full to like this was amazing is because this has one of the most annoying scores I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like it's so jarring, and it's like it's a bit like it's like a little bit of western mixed with a little bit of like that sixties mystery with a whole load of um oh, what are those old fashioned pianos called harpsichord type thing there's right. a sprinkling of like 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 hammer horror melodrama sound i mean it's freaking unbearable so it's it doesn't just have so jarring and it, in or anything no 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 nothing like that no but honestly the, the soundtrack makes the early movements of this film I, honestly it was quite a feat of endurance because the music was getting on my wick so much but luckily actually once you're into it there are enough scenes where the music just shuts up and there's just, you know, people in rooms talking. And, you know, there are other flaws, like the script at times I've got down in my notes, oh, that was a bit clunky. You know, some of the script is 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 pretty dim work. And yeah. there's some dim work from some of the minor speaking roles as well. Like, I think the plot is intriguing enough and the main stars are likeable enough that it just makes it, it draws you through. Yeah. And I think, um, and I think you just forgive it of some of the clunk. But, I mean, there's a seduction scene between... Um, so I really want to... Uh, Inga Stevens, that's who she was. And Inga Stevens, actually, she's an interesting... I didn't, I didn't know her, but she, no. she's quite sad. She, she killed herself a couple of years after oh, making dear. this film. Um, just sounds like she was quite a... You know, she a had a lot of being. affairs with her leading men and was okay. quite a troubled being. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but, there's, but there's this sort of seduction scene with like quite amusing, silly, over-the-top sort of suggestive banter between her and Dean Martin. And then... It sort of reminded yeah. me of a very sort of third string version of the North by Northwest train scene with Cary Grant and Eva Mary Saint, you know, <laughs> the train. That's, it's not as good as that by yes. any means, but like, um, um, a few things are. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in ways, my favourite scene is about it's about fifty minutes in, and Dean Martin is like he's with Inga Stevens again, and he's kind of basically showing off what a good marksman he is. Like he's got bottles set up, and he's basically saying, "Hey, look at this," and shoots stuff. And yeah. um, and then suddenly there's a bullet, 
and like dust goes up near where she's sitting and he dives over her and drags her behind a fallen tree and there's more shots and then he looks up and it's and it's and it's Robert Meek Mitchum the preacher and then they kind of like go oh it's just it's just it's only the preacher <laughs> he's just having a laugh shooting at us <laughs> and the preacher smiles as well and comes closer and it's like all like Bonhomie and I just think what I don't care how like gun crazy the Wild West was. If someone shoots anywhere close to my bottom while I'm sitting on a tree, I'd be really angry and punch him in the face. Oh, oh, oh you just you've you, nearly taken a buttock off. You Thanks. nearly killed me. Um, so anyway, uh, it's just it's a western with a sort of serial killery who done who done it element. It's got Robert Mitchum being hilariously deranged. Um, is the best scenes are always when the music shuts up. Um. And uh, there's one line that I really quite enjoyed when um, I won't say which character, but there's a character who has a um, a Bible which has been you know hollowed out and has got a gun inside. And there's this bit when Dean Martin says, "If that is a Bible, read it. If it ain't a Bible, drop it." And I just thought that was a really funny line. Nice. Now this, sorry, I'm just going to stop you in your review for a second. Yes, good. A, I want to watch this movie. B, this is your sort of low key opening salvo in a new segment. Oh, yes. A new segment that we're going to call Best Line. (laughs) We weren't going to call it Best Line, Worst Line, but neither of us came up with the worst line. So, right now, it's just in nascent form as Best best Lines. Yeah, well... uh, well, (laughs) Ta-da! What a great new feature. Well, actually, dude, I've sort of got... We're ace at this. I have sort of got a worst line in ways. Oh, you liar! I could have could have looked for one if I'd known you were actually going to. No, say no, that. no, no! Sorry, dude. It's because I only just sort of found it just before we were sort of gearing up to record. Mm. But look, I'm going to give you the worst line as well. That's just fine. You can always cut it out if you don't like it. But basically, it's back to that seduction scene, and Inga. Um, basically, it's that Dean Martin says, "Oh, so did you? Why did you find out who I was?" And she just says, "You're a man, which is no recommendation, and you're a gambler, which is less." And you also think you're about the best gambling man in the world. And that's no recommendation at all. Oh, clunk trust. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I just should say... Maybe that's why she killed herself. <laughs> the guy who um, directed this, Henry Hathaway, the year after this, mm. he made True Grit with John Wayne. So, oh, wow. And this doesn't feel as good. Was this his first Western? No, God, no. He made loads of films. I can't remember what his first Western was. Oh, okay. but No. But um, but yeah, True Grit. I think he's probably his most famous western. From looking at his, it's the one it's I pretty knew. Pretty famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's great. It's really good. I don't. I definitely. I couldn't call this an A because oh. it's really quite clunky in places. Um, so sounds I'd, like a B though. Yeah, I think a solid B. But like, get ready for some really annoying music, some wow. really bad bad acting at times, and some ropey scripts. But it's all made up by brilliant leading people. Um, being awesome and a quality premise yeah exactly lovely you gave yourself a Dean Martin movie and <laughs> I would like to see it very much actually I can't uh, once you find out who's in mine um, it's probably not a fair criticism but uh, yeah I think uh, it sounds brilliant I, I'm, I'm it's a western I actively want to see I love the idea that it's a whodunit as well that's right up my alley right up my, is it sort of is there any element of it that's like a western noir or is it just a whodunit 
Not really, and I wouldn't like to overplay the whodunit element. I mean, it definitely is whodunit, but it doesn't. You know, it's not oh, like no. you're. It's not. It's not like you're watching an Agatha Christie with someone. You know, coming in, going, hmm. Let's sure. see. Look at all the evidence. Oh, someone's left a trail of breadcrumbs. You know, it's just um, fans of Night of the Hunter as well should definitely watch it because it's just interesting seeing Robert Mitchum in a very similar kind of role, and you know, and you know, a, a yeah, dudes from another mother or whatever the phrase is. Brothers from another mother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. Good. All over it, like some sort of rash duvet. Now, yes, now, good I'm news. I've completely forgotten what I gave you. So tell me what I gave you. Ah, well, what you gave me in on on the Facebook, actually, you know, still not a terrible cast. Um, so it is a movie called The Duel. Ooh, that's that's only from very recently ago. Oh, so much different to yours in terms of <laughs> yours being from very long ago <laughs> uh, but mine's uh, only made in the last couple of years but in it you have one of my all-time favorite actors if someone said to me here is x amount of um, million dollars and you can make a movie and you can cast whoever you want one of the first people i'm calling their agent is woody harrelson uh, really? okay for me that man can do no wrong so the second i go this is a woody harrelson movie awesome yeah um, and then i've yeah, I'm fully strapped in. And then you've also got Liam Hemsworth, who I really don't think is too shabby. Oh, no, I really like Liam Hemsworth. I'm a, yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. Also, there is um, a girl, a lady, um, whose name is um, absolutely on the tip of my brain, <laughs> but I know her from stuff. Uh, Alice Bragger, that's it. Alice Bragger. Oh, so um, glad you got there in the end. Who's Alice she's Bragger? She's in... Well, when she was very young, she was in City of God. Right. Um, and she's also in Predators. Have you seen Predators? No. It's the uh, um, Denis Villeneuve movie about the kidnapping of the children. It's it's awesome. Ooh. Watch it. Right. Um, okay. as, as a parent, horrifically heart-wrenching. Sounds awful. Um, not a Western, though. So I'm not going to talk about it right now, but Good. watch it. But then again, I'd watch Denis Villeneuve making a fucking Teletubbies movie because I think the man's genius. Anyway, um... Directed by Kieran Darcy Smith, who uh, has not directed much, but is an actor, an Australian actor, right? Um, hence, maybe casting a Hemsworth. But he uh, he was in. Have you seen Animal Kingdom? The movie? No, no, I've not yet. It's about the sort of Melbourne crime family. It's brilliant. It's yeah. utterly brilliant. Oh, I remember um, that. I remember reading well. about that. Yeah, and I really want to see it. I haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, mm. it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so this is one of his sort of big. He's done some shorts for. He's made one other picture, I think, but this is his. This is uh, one of his big sort of directorial breakout kind of thing. Right. So basically, the plot is, um, uh, it starts off very moodily with um, a knife fight, basically a duel. So we, we dump straight into the duel. It's obviously the, the the wild wild west, but not like the wild wild west. Um, it's raining. There's mud on the ground, and Woody Harrelson and another older grizzly man are about to have a night fight what they call a helena duel because it's that they're in the city of helena and what it means is you have your left arm you you clasp left arms at the elbow someone straps them together you have a knife each and then uh you have to stab each other to death basically oh right and it's really brutal it's particularly brutal way to start the movie there's a lovely the, just saying right now, she just just to go. The music is fantastic, and actually, completely in contrast to yours, the <laughs> score is great. Um, 
and um, it's from a guy who is usually like an accompanist, and it's one of his first scores as well. It's really flat. It's really cracking. Anyway, um, basically, this is lovely top-down shot of the mud on the on the ground that is obviously very muddy, but they've, they've pushed the contrast on it. It's, it's kind of like it's very textured. It's beautiful. And then the rain coming down, these two men in sort of grey and brown fighting, and just the blood. And it's not oodles of blood. It's just enough blood mixed in there to make it feel particularly real and particularly visceral. Yeah. With this lovely orchestral sort of score. It's, it's beautiful. It's really well done. And then um, obviously Harrison wins and a small boy comes over to look at his dead father. Right. Um, then it fasts forward um, a number of years, 16 years, and we get Liam Hemsworth heroing on a horse. Um, oh, oh, sorry, before the whole thing kicks off, there's a bit about the Texas Rangers, about how um, they annex the state of Texaco... Of Texaco? They annex the state of Texas <laughs> from Mexico, um, and it caused a lot of tension between the people who used to live there, i.e. Mexicans, um, and the people who now live there, i.e. Texans and then they have the Texas Rangers who are sort of meant to be this upstanding sort of um, bunch of law officers who also were kind of a law unto themselves in a certain respect anyway um, so we know we're in a sort of Texas Ranger movie we see Liam Hemsworth come in and he has a meeting with his boss and you're like right well you're a Texas Ranger and then he gets sent out basically to go on a mission and it, he might as well have said down river but he doesn't but to go and find someone's been killing Mexicans and dumping their bodies in the river right and one of them is the son of a general, so it's all caused a bit of problems. Um, but he's been sent down to go and see this guy who they think is responsible for it. And this guy is kind of this mythical figure who is sort of quasi-religious. Well, actually, you know, he does hold religious services. Um, and who just sort of has this town in his thrall. And he's being sent in sort of undercover to go and find well, like what's a, going on with him. Like a cult thing. Sort of like, a, but it's yeah. I mean, there are snakes involved. It's you know, in the oh, auspices right. of him being a preacher, right? I see. But yeah. uh, it feels unbelievably at this point like apocalypse now. Really, you know, they call in this guy and they're like, "Yes, go down river, go and find this renegade guy who's got mythical properties. He's got everyone enthralled to him, and stuff's happening. It's all going bad." So it just it has a massive um, apocalypse now vibe to it. It's, it's very very hard to dart in a search for Kurtz kind of thing. Yeah. So. Um, Hemsworth goes, but he's going to leave his wife behind and she has a bit of a moan. And she says, look, you're always going off and leaving me. And maybe this time, if you offer to leave me, I won't be here when you get back. Um, and he says, look, it's way too dangerous. You're going to get killed. And she says, no, I'm coming. So she comes uh, and they head off. And what I was expecting to happen is it, I was expecting quite a lot of journey, you know, mm. and things to happen on the way before they reach Kurtz, as it were. Yeah. Um, a la, you know, Apocalypse Now. But I was mistaken. Basically, they sort of set off, they kill a deer, and then suddenly, boom, they're there. They're there at this town. And you go, oh, well, that was an unexpected surprise. Um, and they're escorted into town by three people who are horrible. And it's just, it's essentially, it, it feels like a very, you know, not friendly, we don't like strangers around here um, <laughs> kind of place. And then they meet Woody Harrelson, who is the charismatic leader of the pack. Right. Um, oh, and before... Before they go there, you find out that Hemsworth tells his wife in a massively unsurprising twist that he was the little boy and that Harrelson kills his father. Oh, okay. Oh, good. However, on an interesting twist on that, he basically says, but I haven't been searching for him because I don't really care. 
Um, he's, it's not like a classic sort of like, I'm out for revenge, I'm going to get that man. It's just much more like, oh, point of interest, he did kill my dad. But by all accounts, my dad was a <laughs> dick, and that was the time. So, meh, you know. My name is Enrico um, Montoyo, you killed my father, have a nice day. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it very much holds up to that sort of like, the West's a bit bleak kind of vibe. Um, and uh, so they they get to this town, this is real sort of faint air of nastiness and unease and then Harrelson sits him down mm-hmm. well basically he says to him stay the night and he's mm-hmm. like I don't feel it's not very friendly <laughs> and Harrelson goes well don't worry about that just stay the night and they say the night and then he has, it sort of chats to him and he kind of goes so are you going to stick around for a while and Hemsworth's meant to stick around but he does say to him well again not very friendly so Harrelson goes to him well why don't you just become the sheriff because I like you um, which is quite an unsur- which is quite a surprising move, and uh, so he accepts. Now he's told Harrelson that he is a shopkeeper's son who's just heading out because um, the business collapsed or whatever. Right. And obviously not saying he's a Texas stranger because he's Mister Undercover. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gives him the job of sheriff anyway, um, and he starts to essentially investigate. Um, and it has the same. When he's in this town, it, what it turns into as well is it turns into another one of my favourite films. It has a very much a Mississippi burning vibe too. Oh, really? Because it's all this sort of unfriendly, who are you? Yeah. You don't like strangers around these parts. With the kind of apocalypse now, he's our charismatic curtsy and leader kind of thing. Um, and so Hemsworth goes to investigate and finds, you know, um, a dead Mexican. And we know... You know, from his, he's, he's he's poking around that he's 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 making little maps and he's sort of doing that sort of stuff. This sounds and like another Who Done It, almost. You know, another investigation it's, it's, crossed with a western, if you know what I mean. It is an investigation crossed with western, but it isn't so much a Who Done It because I think mm. unless you're blind yeah, and stupid, so. you pretty yeah. know. I kind of you know. know yeah. You know, Harrelson's in charge of the whole thing. <laughs> um, it, it's more a case of sort of what done it or, yeah. um, but. As a, as a tangential subplot, Harrison starts, as, as Hemsworth is off sort of pottying around, um, Harrison goes to visit his wife and is sort of being friendly, but the, he spends all of this movie being friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's being friendly, but is essentially sort of trying to woo her a little bit. And no. at the end of their exchange, he kind of goes, look, you're sick. And she's like, no, I'm not. I went, yes, you are. But that's understandable. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she goes off the next day Hemsworth isn't that happy about that, so he takes it with him and she, he comes back and she throws up and she is sick, which is all a bit weird. Mm. Um, and as the movie progresses, she becomes more in Harrelson's thrall. Oh. And she goes and holds snakes in his church and stuff. Um, and there's also a hooker. Obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's she's a, let's say, a courtesan. Um, yeah, there's a courtesan who sort of, she's she's a bit of a, like, a, she's chatting to him at the bar and she's like, I'm not going to proposition you because of your wife, but get out of town, leave, it's scary. Mm. Um, so there's all these little, you know, nods to you leave. And then there is another strangeness of these different, like, these English guys turn up and then these Chinese guys turn up. And I'm not going to spoil what they're there for, but if you can't work that out, then you're not thinking. <laughs> um, and... Mixed in with all of this is Harrelson's. So Harrelson is on the face of it being very nice, but is very menacing and a bit evil. And then there's his son, who's just a shitbag. Oh, right. Um, and he's just openly hostile all the time. And occasionally Hemsworth has to beat him up and beats up a few other people as well for being rude. Oh, good. Um, and 
but it's but so basically it turns into his quest to get to the bottom of what's actually happening to this town and why it's producing dead Mexicans, and also to kind of rescue his wife from the clutches of Harrelson, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's about as much as I can give away at this point. Well, no, I think I think you know you've I've, you, I've got a very clear idea of what happens um, up to a point, and I'm sensing I'm going to guess here. I'm sensing you quite liked it. Am I right? Yes, you are absolutely no on the head right. This is a, this is a very much a firm C for me. I'd say like it's beautifully shot. Oh, good. It's, okay, the cinematography in it is absolutely lovely. Um, the directing is okay. It's a little ham-fisted at times. Um, the performances are good. Harrelson does menacing really nicely. Mm. Hemsworth um, does heroic nicely. Mm. Um, Braga is does well. She sort of starts going mental, and she does it in a weird way, in in a good way. Mm. But <laughs> it is not without flaws. Right. There is a there. The whole subplot of his wife turning to Harrelson makes not a great deal of sense to it. It's one of those things that someone went, well, this is just happening. And you think, well, why? And they don't really explain it. Right. Um, sorry, sorry if that's a spoiler, but hmm. it's better to let people down early on this one. You're not going to find out why. Right. It's just, it's, 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 that's a bit of a plot hole. The end is a little weak. Um, it's tonally, it is a little bit all over the place. And the what, what is odd is, the end's at the yeah, the end is a little weak, but I've I've I was thinking about this today, and I don't know if I can penalise it for that because so many movies these days the end's a little weak, mm. and it's more like I want to give points for the ending's good now, which is a bit of a shame, but you know maybe it's a diminished expectations thing, but it is the sad reality of the life we live. Well, and I would say particularly I've said this before, but I say particularly with horror films, there are loads of horror films that I really 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 like that frankly have a terrible final third. And the ones I yeah. really, really, really like are the ones that actually have a you know make you know maintain yes. it all the way through. So yeah, I know what you mean. I think there are loads of films which you can still enjoy, but perhaps tail off. But you learn to yeah. enjoy the bits at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Well, bizarrely, oddly though, this for this one though, I, I guess about forty minutes in, I was looking at my watch. Half an hour I was looking at my watch, but as it progressed, I got more involved in it, and it does um, yeah. it does pick up the pace. So it it starts sort of starts well, goes down a bit slow, comes back again, and then ends. You know, it's just a bit meh at the end. It's it's fine. It's fine, but it's a little bit obvious in some respects, mm. I guess. And then a bit, <laughs> and then a bit rubbish at the very very end. Oh really? Okay. But I can live without that. That's I can. That doesn't bother me. That's fine. Oh, it's always a bit annoying though when a film ends on a final boom kind of note. Is really, really yeah, that's what happened with Dracula Untold. You know, it was already not particularly whelming me, and then um <laughs> and then just ended with this this uh, this last bit that really went boom. And you kind of, oh, yeah. that's terrible. And just left a bad taste. But, oh, okay. So what's this called again? No, the Duel. It's called The Duel. The oh, duel. it's got William Sadler in as well. Who I love. Oh, cool. And he's yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He's awesome. Um, but he's only in it briefly. But he's, right. uh, he's Liam Hemsworth Both. And he does sort of round out the end in a bit of a bong kind of way. Right. But overall, uh, I would definitely say, uh, if you want to see something beautifully shot, mm-hmm. that's well acted, and you like a big slab of Harrelson at the Hemsworth, you can do a lot worse than watch this. It's it's is it fun? Maybe not. It doesn't um, it's sound much more in the fun. Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. That's no, what it sounds it's much like. more in the sort of Cormac McCarthy vein. Yeah. Nothing. Nowhere near as depris- depressing as. Um, that would um, be bad. No. Oh God! Oh. The red. I forgot what it's called now, but 
uh, Blood Meridian. Yes. Which is sorry. the most depressing thing I've ever read in the history of my <laughs> life ever. And, and the, probably the most depressing thing anyone's ever read. Um, but it is, uh, it's definitely more in that thing than, yeah, it's definitely not as fun as like a woo who done it with Robert Mitchum and, and Dean Martin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, give it a watch. Don't expect brilliance, but also watch it for the beauty of the cinematography. Watch it for some of the performances, um, just because you like being around Harrelson. Um, there is, there's an, uh, you know, here's my best line. Okay. <laughs> I didn't do a worst line for this one. Um, worst line is just me talking. Um, best line is uh, when asked about his ex-wife, Harrelson, or his dead wife, Harrelson goes, someone said to him, she must have been beautiful. And he comes out with, she could... <laughs> She could back the buzzards off a gut wagon, <laughs> but truly she was lovely. And I started thinking, that's just a horrible thing to say about someone. But also, what the hell is a gut wagon? <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, I've got all these guts. Where am I gonna put, put them in the gut wagon. Yeah, just chuck them in the gut wagon. That's fine. What's that smell? Oh, don't worry, it's is just it the gut wagon. Or human guts? <laughs> oh, bloody gut wagon again! Bring out your guts. I'm sorry, I haven't had any for weeks. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, good. so that's my best line. She could she could back the buzzards off a gut wagon, <laughs> but she was lovely. <laughs> oh, good. So that uh, was my your old western, my modern western, and then we have our double up film, our combo. Yes, yes, which um um was well. <clears throat> let me start. It's called da, 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 da. oh that was annoying. The Homesman. Yes, from two thousand and fourteen. It's two hours, two minutes long, and it's uh, directed by Tommy Lee Jones, who also stars uh, alongside um, Hilary Swank. And it has more cameos oh, yes. per square inch of celluloid yeah. than most things. Now, see, now before we get deep into this review, I'm yeah. really interested in this movie because it's directed by Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. It is starring Tommy Lee Jones. It has Hilary Swank. I'm just reading what you've said here. Um, <laughs> but we've got like cameos. We've got Meryl Streep. Yeah. We've got um, um, James, um, James Spader, Spader yeah. get in. We've got more modern and less well-known, maybe, but I'm a big fan. We've got Jesse Plemons. Yes, We've got yes. Tim Blake Nelson. Like, there is a huge, huge amount and, of stuff. And who's the, what's the name of the actor who's right at the beginning, who plays the sort of vicar dude? You know, uh, John Lithgow. Yeah, John Lithgow. We've got this enormous cast of, like... Um, of, of of you know bit players yeah basically Obviously all the bit parts are people come on come down come on down and do a day yeah exactly the, all the bit parts are peopled by actors you sort of recognize like yeah yeah i agree it's got a good cast yeah. hasn't it yeah and and i've i was i've recently just been working with a bunch of um uh americans and I said, maybe we haven't heard of this movie in this country because it's a Western and they don't get such a big release. But I'll ask them. And what, like, they're, they're all kind of quite cinephiles. None of them had heard of it. Really? And I was like, how did this movie slip through the cracks? With a cast like this and, you know, directed by Tommy Jones, how, how does this happen? Hmm. Hmm. Answers, Johnny. Not on the postcard. So I, then I thought, this is great. This is a perfect choice. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I thought so too. And... um. I think just briefly, let's give a little bit of the plot. So um, it's it's called the Homesman, and essentially, just just very in very brief, it's three women have been basically driven mad by the brutalities of pioneer life in the West, and a sort of pious yeah. um, independent woman played by Hilary Swank w- agrees to transport them across the country in a covered wagon. And which is a dangerous trip, and she employs a sort of low-life uh, drifter guy 
played by Tommy Lee Jones to a sister because she saves him. And that's essentially it. It's this journey to a safe place. What? Well, she's transported them to a. Is it to Denver? A, yeah, they're to going to. I thought it's not Denver. It's somewhere. Um, they're going to somewhere safe. Is it Ohio? And it's, I'm not. I've forgotten now. But they're going to a town to a where church. there's a a church that will look after these three damaged souls. Um, yes. And that's basically it. That's the plot. And uh, and and I think we can take it from there. Yeah. So essentially, she's she, what we what we learn about her to begin with before this this whole thing kicks off mm. is that she's quite lonely. She has yeah. a homestead. She's very independent, but she has a sort of tendency of asking people to marry her, yeah. um, and of them turning her down and saying she's very plain and bossy, and bossy, yeah. which um, she is very bossy. Mm. Um, and yeah, so she gets a wagon. She employs. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, who's this sort of gnarled old drifter who's tried to steal, essentially steal someone else's claim. Yeah. On a and, mine. And then been strung up for doing so by the people who, yes. who say he shouldn't have stolen the claim. And so she meets him. She started her journey alone and she see, she spies him. Basically, he's on a horse with a noose around his neck, you know, from a tree. So basically, if the horse runs off, He's dead, so he's standing still, and he's he's been stuck there for a while. And yeah, she strikes up a bargain. She sort of says, "I will, you know, she'll cut him down if he agrees to help her." And he does. Yes, you know, he swears to it, and she cuts him down, and so begins their uneasy partnership. Um, And at first, she she also says she'll pay him, which is quite important. Oh, of course, yes, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah, it's not just his word or anything. You're right. Yeah, that is an important point. No, yeah. What she does quite nicely is she says she's posted three hundred dollars care of this person in the other town mm. so when he when they get there then he can pick up his three hundred dollars and um and all will be tickety boo yeah um and so they go to pick up ver- the ver- they're on various stops to pick up these the these three. deranged women yeah who have all had so like i think one of them has just lost have lost three children at childbirth and it's driven her mad another one has... Or three children to diphtheria, I think is what she said. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and then another one just seems to have been horribly abused by her husband. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bleak stuff, and they are all totally, yes. you know, they've really, really lost it, and they do, you know, one of them does sort of self mutilation and things. Yeah, one of them drops a just... baby down a down a hole. Um, it's not very nice. A, uh, uh, what do you call it? A, 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 an outhouse hole. Yeah, a long drop. I think they call yes. it in New Zealand. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just they're, they're all very, very damaged. And once they get them into the the back of the wagon, they start screaming a bit and they fight each other and they have to be restrained. And one of them just sort of keeps saying, you're going to hell. And she's yeah. a bit creepy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they start their, their trek across the cold wilderness that hmm. that is the, the West, essentially. There's not much more I can say about it, really. Well, I don't feel like we should give too much more away because, I mean, apart from anything else, I mean, that is the well, plot. Well, that's the thing. And you don't want to give away too much, but as you can imagine, it's the kind of, it's quite a slow film where, you know, the the, the, the relationship, obviously, between, you know, these two very tough characters in diff- in ver- and very different characters are put in this awful situation and they, they go through various hardships. I mean, it sort of reminds me, in terms of the basic plot, it reminds me of that sort of True Grit style plot. You know, it's a, so it's, it's, a, mm. it's an odyssey. And it, and I did feel like this film yes. felt quite Coen Brothers-y at time, as in it had that sort of it no country very, for old men bleakness. That Fargo kind of, yeah, no country Fargo. Again, we're back into Cormac McCarthy territory. Mm, yeah. And, and that's exactly... 
that's well I'm a, I would lie if I said that's exactly the sort of western it is because it's not exactly that sort of western because there are moments of levity mm, and definitely. between the two of them there are there are moments of warmth and levity it's not all bleak but it's certainly there's no romanticizing the west no and exactly and I think that's why I was sort of surprised I hadn't heard of it more because obviously there've been yes. loads of films in the last 20 years that have well the last 40 years that have have taken away any romanticization of the west and this one does it it feels like even more so, you know, it's taking a very realistic view of the West. And it's interesting that the West is so cold, you know, just because you kind of think yeah. of the West as, as sort of hot and and windswept. This is cold and windswept. I, th- I think because it does. We're in a I slight... it... Sorry, go on. No, no, carry on. No, no, kind of, that was a kind of it. <laughs> I, th- I, think it, I, think it I think it sets out to subvert a lot of hmm. preconceptions about it, though. I mean, and, and also, you know, on a, on a very positive note, it, you know, we've got a very strong female character, which is good. That's not, that's not at the heart of many Westerns. Yeah. You know, most, most, a lot of the time on screen is spent with four women and Tommy Lee Jones, which is mm. quite interesting, although three of them don't really speak. No. Um, and One of them on from their... Lord of the Rings, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and on their trek, they obviously meet these different characters. What's disconcerting is you say there's a Coen Brothers element, yes, and there's whatever, but and then Tim Blake Nelson pops up, and you're like, oh, brilliant, comedy relief, and then you go, oh no, really not comedy relief. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I had exactly that feeling. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, um, I mean, we're 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 doing that thing where we're slightly skirting around the review. Are you ready to say what you thought? Put cards on the table, time. Yeah, I I don't. I'm I'm very happy to do that. I I I'm struggling to give it a grade, but we can talk about that. Um, uh, cards on the table. I think it's a it's actually it's a pretty well made, interesting movie that I guess I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> although I'm not sure enjoyed is the right word, but I would certainly recommend. It has elements of being, uh, from what I think is it, it's quite an art house movie. Hmm. It's almost like an art housey western in a weird way, with bits of Tommy Lee Jones dancing in a cave and singing. And at times, maybe the fact that Tommy Lee Jones directed it overwhelms it, but at times it doesn't. And you're going to go, well, he's trying to say something, and he's trying to say a lot of things, and maybe he's a little bit um, disconnected with the things he's trying to say. But he certainly, I don't think his cameos are used badly either. And no. I no, think there is a there are too many theme. cameos in like when films like this, when there are too many cameos. It's exactly that. The cameo can take you out of the experience of watching the film. That's what slightly happened to me, actually, with with um, Star Wars: Force Awakens. But um, oh, yeah. with, with this, I didn't find any of the cameos took me out of the experience of the film. You know, I was, no. I, I, I just was like, oh, oh, that's James Spader, awesome, and just carried on. You know, believing yeah. what was going on. For me, okay, so rather boringly I suppose I'm in quite a similar place I thought it was absolutely brilliant in lots and lots of ways but yeah I I couldn't couldn't give it an A for example but I just I definitely think it's worth watching because Hilary Swank I think she's fantastic in this she is very very good it's slightly yes uh, right when we were when we were choosing these films I sometimes when we're choosing a combo film do watch a couple of others I watched all of a film called The Timber and basically, <laughs> it was so. I watched it because it had um, Deputy So and So from the from Sinister, James Ransom, who I quite like. But there was just not a character in sight. There was nothing. It was such an empty vessel of a film with nothing to recommend. It was just so boring. 
And then I went to watch this thinking, OK, let's see what this is like. And in the first five minutes, there was more characterization, more depth. I cared. I straight away just thought, Hilary Swank, I love you already. You know, I, there was someone here I could root for. And Yeah, yeah I'm with you. And so just it, it won me over. And as well, I really like the score, just the opening credit score. It's just got loads of those oh, flat so- landscape and it really put me in mind of the score of Miller's Crossing. Yes, although interesting enough, I've so my first note on this, I wrote like the music. Yeah, and I put very Westworld as well. Have you seen yeah. Westworld? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't mean the movie; I mean the TV series. Oh, in which case, no, 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 no. <laughs> the TV series, everything is it does is all it's very piano ulery, mm. and they've done lots of modern songs in a piano style. But it had that vibe to it. It's actually it's, the score's Marco Beltrami who did Scream and a good many other things. But oh, really? Um, it's uh. You're right. The score's fantastic. Hilary Swank is fantastic. And one of the things that makes her fantastic, I think, is something that I wrote in my notes again. I'm just going to get this is my notes. Um, and I wrote down, she's a woman of principle, but frankly, she's a bit dumb. Am I supposed to admire her? Well, the way she treats women, the women is very well balanced. And, and I had this like loads of contradictory notes and you go, wow, actually, what I'm doing is working through the fact she's a very, com- she's portraying a very complex character. And that's really interesting. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, she was so. I mean, the, I found her heartbreaking. You know, that like that's the thing. Yeah. Again, back to the first five ten minutes, you see her sort of. The very first thing you see her doing is sort of working a plow in a rather miserable looking muddy field. Yeah. And then she sort of tidies herself up, and then she's getting things ready for a meal, and then she meets this guy, who's coming around for dinner, and then, and there's just something really. You know, she's sort of like checking her you know, crow's feet in the mirror to see how old she's looking kind of thing. And it's just something rather yeah. sort of desperate about it. And then this bloke that she has over for dinner, who's a minor character who we don't see much again, you just, it's just a bit of a doofus. And you just sort of think, you think she, she, she could do so much better, but she's sort of desperate. I know, and but and she, it's just, she asks him to marry her and he says, no, you're as plain as a... You're plain and you're too... Yeah, you know, he says you're too bossy and you're too damn plain kind of thing. And this is the thing, like, she sings yeah. for him and, like, you, it's a really well done scene. She starts singing for him and she's got this embroidered piano keyboard because she can't afford a piano, which she just sort of, you know, mimes on while she sings a song. And then as she's singing this song, you start hearing his snores and she just... Yeah. You, could, you could see the sort of you know, the dream, like, sinking away from her face, you know, like this kind of disappointment. I don't know. I thought that scene was just... And like I say, that was the first five or ten minutes after watching The Timber. I was like, I am so into this film. Um, one flaw, One thing I thought, okay, was a definite criticism, is that the three women who have been driven mad, I felt like they got a bit gratuitous with showing some of the things that had driven them mad and they kept on doing it sort of out of narrative they kept on sort of like right. going so back is to... that is that one with the scene with the mother mm. in the bed is that one of the women i couldn't work out if that was one of the women yeah that it's is. one of the women and that was that and that's flashback to so that's sort of saying what caused her to see uh, i think i'm all for subverting narrative but that's just a bit irritatingly confusing just like just uh, mm, i just don't need to have that exactly and I, I think the thing is that just with a few of those scenes because they were really all three of the women you know, two of them particularly, like you see some really harsh stuff and it just felt like, okay, you j- I feel like you've just done that scene. You've, you've filmed her. I don't know there's this awful scene where this woman sort of so- starts sewing her own skin and you kind of just think, you don't need that. You know, it just, it just, I just thought it felt a bit gratuitous or something yeah. or just <clears throat> took me out of the film slightly. But anyway, but it's, it's a bleak film. So yeah. I yeah. 
it's bleak with moments of this is what what's very interesting about it and it's bleak with moments of light and you know it's not mm. what's what what i do, do like about it is that it, there's nothing about it is black and white no. absolutely nothing true very good point um it's full of contrasts full of contradictions and very much sort of you know true to how things might well have been <laughs> and you know the the the, the denouement is is kind of quite interesting and quite an unusual way to end it yeah um and james spader's fab for the like two minutes he's on screen and so is meryl streep and so are all the other bit players i yeah i'm with you i are we going for a b for a b? i might say a b minus on this good question i really i think it is a b yeah i think but no i think it is a b minus i mean it's it's really well made it's just i th- and I think it is an interesting watch. I really, and I just think you've got to watch it for Hilary Swank. I've never been a bit particularly big Hilary Swank fan. I am now. I'm definitely. Yeah, I'm full of respect was, I, for her. She's great. I would watch her in anything now. I think. This, well, well, this makes reaping. me want to go watch, and watch the more. reaping. It's bloody awful. The what? The reaping. It's bloody um, terrible. <laughs> it sounds. It's a bad title. Um, yeah. I mean. I'm trying to think of anything in. Yeah, I, 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 I think. Oh, and I, I think it has one of the most least sexy heartbreaking sex scenes i've ever seen this is okay so my we'll go back to my notes here where i put this would be the lo- the, the least romantic sex scene ever <laughs> if it weren't for the previous german sex scene yes okay yes okay i'd forgotten about the previous german sex scene but yes and then, <laughs> but yes yeah it's got it's got quite possibly the least Ah, romantic, fully consenting sex scene committed to celluloid on it. Yeah, the fully consenting sex scene is the least romantic one. The less consenting one is 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 yeah. I think, in fact, I'd slightly put it out of my mind, but now it's back there, and I'm feeling slightly blue. Yeah, it's a bit horrible. <laughs> it's really not good. But I say again, I think this is a hundred percent a recommend, but with oh, the caveat right, yeah. that as an overall film, it's you know it's more B minus E, C plus E. Yeah, I'm going to go with B minus because I because I because I want to. Yeah, I think it deserves that sort of. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it, I, th- I, th- I mean, I don't. I think Tommy Lee Jones should make more films. Yeah, no, he's, he's you know he's done well. Yeah, yeah. Well done, TLJ. Um, did you have any funny lines? Best lines. Uh, my best line out of it. See again with with so this to show that it's not all darkness. Um, his curse on James Spader. <laughs> yeah, and he says. <clears throat> you turn your back on these women. You'll swear. F- you'll answer it for the rest of your lives. You won't sleep. You'll choke on your whiskey and on your water. The food you eat will block up your bowels, and you'll die of your own shit. Your mothers and your sisters and your wives will cuss your broke dick souls. And then that awesome like bit with, with just just sort of an awesome ranty insult. And then Sp- Spader just looks on as he drives off and goes, "Oh." For- God's sake. <laughs> yeah, when he drives through those signposts. Yeah. Yeah, he especially goes off and just like messes up his field. <laughs> and it's just, I love it. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, I like that bit too. Um, my funny line was um, back to that scene that I talked when, um, you know, the doofus has come over for dinner and just fall, yeah. fall, he just fall, falls asleep with her singing. And then the singing ends and she's just looking at him and he sort of comes to realizing he's fallen asleep and just says, that sure was some pretty singing, Miss Cuddy. I got some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I got some cheese. 
And it turns out he's made homemade cheese and brought it along with him. And it really made me laugh. Yeah, it's, his delivery on that's awesome. That's Jesse Plemons. I love Jesse Plemons. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Oh well, I'm really glad you liked it. We've had a good. I think this has been a we've good. Had it. This is good. We've all we've had three films that we've had lots to recommend. All three. That's great. Yeah. Good Absolutely. old westerns. Three, three gun watches. But I would, uh, by the sound of things, from yours and from the combo and from mine, if you had to classify, as we have done, you know, definitely uh, the duel. If you if you're short on time, do the duel another time. Yeah, definitely I think that's watch fair. this. And I'm definitely going to go and watch yours, whatever it's Five called. Five can't remember. Five cards done. I should remember that. Yeah. But uh, great, that is it for these films. Because frankly, they're all been a bit good. Yay. Yeah, hooray! I'm really excited. I, I, I was. I'm glad we've had an episode with all good. So am I. Yeah. Next next time, however. By the way, change. by the way, I'm just gonna I'm gonna interrupt you, dude. I am still getting over the shock of you liking the unfolding. I was thinking about it, and I just oh, I'm actually, still we surprised our, that you did you We had one of it. our listeners get in touch. Um, Penny Bull got in touch, and also is in Team Jono. Oh, really? Did you not like yes. it? Yes. Oh, no! <laughs> and I'm just saying you're wrong. You're both wrong. There's something about it that I really enjoyed. Well, okay, good. Oh, maybe I'll watch it again and see if I hate it. No, but, well, I, just, I mean, uh, I really like it. I like that it's surprise. You know, that you can still surprise me with the films you like and dislike. You know, this is good because uh, I, yeah. I always feel like I know what you're going to think, and I'm totally wrong. Anyway, come on, onward. Next, next. Um, what's so the next genre? <laughs> the next genre that we're going to hit is going back to that horror world slightly, and we're going to go for slasher picks, modern slasher picks. Right. Yay. Oh, good. We've seen a lot of the old classics, but yeah. you know, more more modern-y stuff. Maybe we have any. And I'm not talking about the remakes. So, um, we're both going to watch a movie called The Traveller, which might be spectacular. It's late period Val Kilmer. Oh, my favourite type of Val Kilmer is late period. A lot lot to be excited about. Um, But we'll see how that goes. If anyone else wants to play along at home, The Traveller. So, you can can tell us what you think on Twitter. Mm -hmm. At We Watch Anything. Uh Facebook. Facebook.com slash you watch anything or the Gmail. We watch anything at gmail.com. Um, or just, you know, shout it into the abyss. We'll pick it up somehow. <laughs> he said, sort of fingers crossed. Um, but yes, do get in touch if you've if you're gonna watch that, or if you've watched something we've recommended and you hated it or liked it, or if you've got something you'd like us to watch, even if it's just a vague genre. Yeah. Just let us know. And um, we'll do our best to pick up the ball and run with it. The t- what, what Ben is saying is that the tiniest crumb of communication will make us <laughs> pathetically grateful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're quite good at being pathetically grateful as well. <laughs> yeah. You should see our faces right now. <laughs> so, until next time, my friend. Happy watching! Yes, you, you too. Bye, everyone. No, it's been good. I'll see you all next time. Well, I won't. But Thanks for listening. Look and forward we'll to be it. in your ears soon. Yes. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.